We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Oregon Ducks return home to Eugene for a week eight matchup against the Washington State Cougars at Autzen Stadium. We're getting into a preview and prediction of this week's game on today's episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? How we living? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. This is take two, battling not the elements, but battling the internet. Uh, we're doing the best we can. Uh, I am joined by Andrew Quinn of Creme 2 News in Spokane, Washington, a former co-worker of mine from my days at the lovely Gonzaga University. Uh, he's joining me to preview and predict this week's Oregon versus Washington State game. Andrew, how you doing? Excited to have you back on the show. I'm doing great, Max. Thank you very much for having me. Um, very excited for this week's uh, game and see if Oregon or Washington State see which one of these two teams can get back on track following losses last week. Yeah, you said it there yourself. Oregon and Wazoo both coming off losses. Oregon, a 36-33 loss to Washington on the road in Seattle uh, in the national spotlight, college game day the whole nine, and then Washington State coming off a 44-6 loss to Arizona at home in Pullman. So both of these teams are kind of at different spots. Oregon has the talent on paper. Um, I think they have a lot of the advantages in this matchup. Not a lot of people would argue that, but Washington State's a dangerous team, and history shows us that everything kind of gets thrown out the window when these two teams face each other. What, what are your kind of thoughts just on the vibe around this game because we've gotten some great matchups between these two teams over the years. We sure have. We sure have. And it's kind of crazy to, to think that Oregon has won the last four matchups between these two teams because it always seems like it's going back and forth or WSU is pulling off an upset. So it is kind of crazy to think that. But um, as far as Washington State's concerned, they need to at least, at the very least, play a competitive game on Saturday because right now uh, after the last two weeks, there are a ton of question marks surrounding this program and not a whole lot of answers. So they really need to get back to the way it was before the bye week when they were humming on offense, when the defense was playing pretty stout. And uh, I think it's crucial for Washington state, especially going forward that, that they play well on Saturday. One of the big differences, I think, right now between Oregon and Washington is that it's a little bit more difficult to get a pulse on the Cougs and kind of where they're at because 
They started the season super strong. They handed Oregon State their only loss on the year so far, 38-35. to And then coming out of the bye, you go on the road to face UCLA, one of the better offenses and one of the better teams, I think, in the Pac-12. And you keep that one within eight. But then you come back home and you get waxed by Arizona. So where do you think the, the Cougs are kind of at right now, especially with, re- with uh, regard to that win against Oregon State last month? You know, it seems like we're at a totally different spot right now. We definitely are. And, you know, I was at that game in Pullman, and the Cougs looked flat-out dominant at times in that game. They really, really did. I was very impressed top to bottom. But you saw in the fourth quarter the cracks were beginning to show. The offense was not getting in the end zone as they had been earlier in the game. The defense was starting to get a little porous, and you just kind of thought, okay, you know, they're hitting the bye week. They'll be able to reset. They were ranked 13th in the country at that time. You're like, okay, everything will be fine. They'll go down to UCLA. Really good defense, obviously, that the Bruins have. And Latu is going to be a star in the NFL. But you thought the Cougs were going to, you know, probably win that game. I mean, Dante Moore has struggled at the beginning of his career uh, down there in Brentwood. But honestly, I don't think anybody saw the last two weeks coming. Um You know, they go down to UCLA, they take an early lead, and then they play like garbage for the rest of that first half. Flat garbage. And then Kapena Gushikin gets a a 93-yard pick six uh, right before the half. And Washington State plays horrible, and they go into the half with the lead. And you're thinking, like, this is maybe a team of destiny or something at this point. Um, But then the second half, UCLA decides to rush three and drop eight. And uh, that's the recipe right now. That's the recipe. You know, the Cougs were the second ranked passing attack in the nation going into that UCLA game. And ever since they started doing the rush three, drop eight, it has been a completely different story. Cam Ward is trying to force balls into very tight windows. He's being picked off after he was mistake free. The first four weeks of the season, he did not throw an interception. Um, And the last two, he has turned the ball over. So I think the recipe right now is there. And, you know, I'm sure Oregon has seen it on tape. The rush three drop eight is working. Now, will WSU be able to counter that this week? You know, they've got the youngest offensive coordinator in all of Division I football and Ben Arbuckle. Um, So he's kind of learning as he goes now and, After how everything started, everything looked great. But now I think people are starting to realize that the Cougs are very one-dimensional on offense right now. They have no run game. And, you know, the rush three drop eight is is really working. So they really need to find a way to, to counteract that this weekend. So we're getting a little bit of a feel for where Wazoo is at. And then looking on the other side to Oregon, I think even though you're coming off of a narrow loss, you still have to feel confident that the Ducks can play some really good football. Bo Nix had a good game, even though he missed some pretty crucial throws, most notably to Treshawn Holden near the goal line. Um, But the the defense, I think, did okay. Uh, It really wasn't a story of defenses last week in Montlake. You did get an interception uh, on Michael Penix. Jaleel Florence did that. Not something a lot of people can say they've done this year. Um, but you've played probably the best offense in the country, if not like a top three, top five offense. So now I think you can take that experience and and use it to build on moving forward. 
I think Oregon's passing rush has pass rush has been better, but Penix really excelled at getting the ball out quickly. And uh, Oregon's offense doesn't have a lot of question marks or concerns for for my uh, two cents. So I think you enter this game still feeling pretty good if you're a Duck fan. We were talking a little bit before we hit record. I think everything's in front of Oregon. Um, You know, that loss obviously stings and people are going to criticize Dan Lanning for his aggressive play calling for uh, losing three games to your rivals in your first two years. They're hoping they can, uh, you know, bounce back against Oregon State later on in the year. But that's always a dangerous game. So I think Oregon feels pretty good. You get to try to bounce back at home where you play your best ball in front of your fans. So that's kind of where the Ducks are at. Pretty healthy, too, after uh, Jaleel Florence and Kyrie Jackson both got banged up last week. They're looking like they're going to be good to go. Let's get a little bit more into this matchup, Andrew, because we talked a little bit about it, and now I want to get into some of the specifics. Cam Ward is a really good quarterback. I think everybody knows that at this point in the season, and He's in his second year at Wazoo after coming over from Incarnate Word. But I think he tends to kind of get buried in the the discussion here. And it's really just because the Pac-12 is just so loaded with with top-tier quarterbacks. But we know that the Wazoo offense starts and ends with Cam Ward. Um, He's doing a really good job. Dan Lanning was really complimentary of him uh, earlier this week, saying he has the fastest release of any of the guys they faced so far. So just tell us a little bit about Cam Ward and, and maybe just the bigger picture with this Cougs offense because that's what the Ducks are going to have to stop if they want to get this win. Yeah, and I think you said it perfectly. I mean, this offense rests on the shoulders of Cameron Ward. There is no doubt about it. Um, he's a talented player, man. He really is. Uh, you know, he's not the fastest guy. He's not the strongest guy. But when he needs to, he can make plays with his legs and he can avoid sacks. And I think that's what you need as a quarterback. Um, You know, like we said, the first four weeks of the season, Cam was probably a top five Heisman candidate. He really was. If you if you watched his games against Wisconsin and Oregon State, I I think it would have been hard pressed to to find better quarterbacks in the nation outside of maybe Bo and Michael Penix. And the last two weeks. Um, Cam has come down to earth because like I said, uh, the Cougs just, they don't have a run game right now. I mean, they're running out Nikia Watson out there and I believe he's 23, 23 or 24 years old at this point. He's been injured a few times. He just doesn't have that same burst he had when he first got to Washington state from Wisconsin. They've got kind of a change of pace back in Jalen Jenkins, but I mean, he's not really going to run between the tackles. So it really is on Cam Ward. And at the beginning of the season, he was able to really get the ball out to the playmakers on the outside. Kyle Williams and Josh Kelly began the season on fire. And the biggest surprise to everyone up here on the Palouse was Lincoln Victor was having a career year. I mean, he's been in the program for a few years now, but he all of a sudden became like that Wes Welker Julian Edelman early in his career type weapon um, out of the slot. And he was dynamic and he was unstoppable in the slot. And, you know, he gets hurt in the UCLA game and they lose Lincoln then um, for the, for these last two games. I mean, he did play a little bit against Arizona, but um, he was a huge loss for this team. And like I said, once, uh, Once the defensive coordinator saw it on tape that the rush three drop eight was working, uh, that's kind of been the recipe the last two weeks 
if you're going to slow down Cam Ward. So it'll be really, really interesting to see if Cam, like Dan Lanning said, is able to get the ball out quick to those playmakers on the outside. Because if he holds it, WSU's offensive line, as, as it stands right now, is not built to withstand that Oregon pass rush. And that's one of the things that kind of stood out to me about Cam Ward when I was just doing some research and looking at the stats. He's completed just about 70% of his passes, and he's done a pretty good job taking care of the ball. But when you have a one-dimensional offense like this, it can make a game like this for Washington State pretty difficult. But to their credit, they have done a good job of spreading the ball around. Cameron Ward isn't getting too fixated on one guy, so I think that makes it dangerous. And um, slowing down the pass hasn't exactly been a huge strength for Oregon. I think they're much improved from a year ago, but I feel like I'm still a little shaky in terms of just how confident I am that they can slow down um, you know, a really good passing offense. Um, like we said, they do have some pretty talented guys in the secondary that I think should probably match up well with Washington State's uh, offensive weapons, Kyrie Jackson, Jaleel Florence. They're going to be without Brian Addison. He's away from the program right now. He's one of their veteran safeties for personal reasons, Dan Lanning said earlier this week. But for me, I think the question, Andrew, kind of lies in the trenches. Is Oregon able to exploit that uh, vulnerable, it sounds like, offensive line that the Cougs have can they get pressure on Cam Ward if they only send three if they only send four because I feel like it's been a little bit of a mixed bag for them in those situations this year and I think if they can get more with less and not have to dial up a lot of blitzes I think that that could go a long way um but the fact that Wazoo is one-dimensional obviously kind of goes into Oregon's favor I think that would be the case with with most teams right you just don't really want to be one dimensional. It doesn't kind of go your way. Um, but I think that's going to be something I really have my eye on when these two teams meet on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's, that's well said and it really will be something to see. I mean, Washington state's offensive line was doing enough early in the season because cam was able to get the ball out so fast, but the last two weeks, because of having so many people, you know, in the backfield of the defense, he's having to hold the ball much longer. And when that happens, you know, those three, four guys that you mentioned are able to get home because, you know, the offensive line is a little bit porous for Washington state. Let's be honest. It is. I mean, I think Esapole got graded as like a zero against UCLA. It, it was something crazy like that. So it's something that that Oregon will definitely, you know, find a way to take advantage of. You know, we all know about Brandon Dorless and, and how good of a player he is. So um, I think that's that's definitely the thing is, you know, if they can make sure that Cam holds that ball a little bit longer than he did the first four weeks of the season, then I really do believe those those three or four guys that Oregon sends should be able to get home. And I don't know if you heard it, Andrew, but Dorless had an interesting quote yesterday um, about calling Cameron Ward the most annoying quarterback that he has to face. I, th I think Brenna might have actually tweeted it out. Brenna yeah. also worked with uh, Andrew and I at Krem and is a, a Gonzaga alum. Mm -hmm. um, but that's like one of the areas that Dorless wants to kind of hone in on, you know, not just play with anger and fire, but like, hey, just get, get the guy down. That's what matters. But we know he's a beast. I think the story with Oregon is that their defensive line is so deep that he's not mm -hmm. the only guy. You have him, you have Popo Amavai, Jordan Birch, Mateo Uyunglele, uh, Casey Rogers, and that could really be a way that Oregon wears Wazoo down, just being able to rotate in those fresh bodies. I think that could go a long way in just having them just uh, you know, kind of clamp down 
on the Cougs, for lack of a better word. Um, we're talking a little bit more about Oregon's defense versus Wazoo's offense. That's kind of how these previews go. Do you have anything else that you want to add about the Wazoo offense that you think fans need to know about before we hop to the other side of the ball? Well, just one quick thing. When I talked to Jake Dickert on Monday, he made mention of the depth on that Oregon defense. And he said, it's crazy. You know, they're big, they're physical, and they're always fresh. Because like you said, they're able to rotate so many guys on that defensive line. So it's going to be a real challenge for WSU's offensive line. But I think just the main the main point is, can Cam get the ball out early and often to, you know, the likes of Kyle Williams, Josh Kelly, Lincoln Victor, these guys who have proven this year that they're good wide receivers. I know Josh got a little bit nicked up there the last two weeks and Lincoln missed a couple games with the high ankle sprain. But if, if, you know, if Cam's able to get that ball out early and his playmakers are able to make some plays, then, you know, I think WSU's offense will be able to bounce back a little bit. But, you know, I, I really can't say anything at this point because, you know, the last two weeks, the rush three drop eight has has worked in spades for, for these defensive coordinators. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking with Andrew Quinn of Creme 2 News in Spokane, Washington, previewing Oregon's Week 8 matchup against the Washington State Cougars. Appreciate you guys tuning in. However you're, tuned, you're tuned in to today's episode, whether you're on your podcasting platform of choice or here on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus, do me a favor, drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel. We are on the road to 3K. That's my next goal, and I appreciate your guys' support greatly. Let's hop over to the other side of the ball. We just talked Oregon defense and Wazoo offense. Oregon's offense is obviously no slouch, led by veteran quarterback Bo Nix and a bunch of dangerous weapons, Troy Franklin, Bucky Irving, Terrence Ferguson. Uh, you got so many different guys that can hurt you if you're a defensive coordinator when you're looking at this matchup. I think that you have to be confident that Bo knows what to expect to a degree because this is his second year in the Pac-12 and I think this is going to be a game that they can really settle in. And uh, they're going to want to look to start fast because they left that game last week in Seattle with a sour taste in their mouth, to say the least. Yeah, and I i mean, it, it's its pretty well, well publicized. The Oregon offense, you know, okay, you guys lost that game last week, but they still played great. And I mean, the three fourth down calls, you know, Dan Landing is going to get heat from that, obviously. But other than that, I mean, Bo Nix is playing at a Heisman level. You mentioned Franklin, who I think is one of the best wide receivers in the nation. Bucky Irving is, is a fantastic running back. 
Um, even Jordan James on on Saturday had that crazy touchdown run uh, where he broke like three tackles. So this is a mighty test for this WSU defense. Um, and I think it's it's scary. It's a scary, scary test for them, especially after what happened against Arizona. I mean, in the fourth quarter, they flat out quit. They really did. They 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 didn't finish that game the way anybody wanted. And Jake Dickert made a mention of it on Monday when he said it was the first time in his time at WSU that he had seen a team decide to not finish a game there in the fourth quarter, which is a big concern. Obviously, they're probably going to harp on that a lot in practice, especially if we remember what happened in last year's game. I mean, WSU led that thing for 50-some-odd minutes, and then all of a sudden Bo Nix hits Franklin for that big touchdown, and uh, Mace Funa has the pick six, and all of a sudden people are like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? Um, So I think the big thing is will WSU's defense play a full four quarters this week? And uh, it'll be interesting to see that, but it is it is going to be a mighty, mighty test for them, especially against such a high-powered offense. Got to play the entire game if you want to come away with the win. Obviously, that's going to be a priority for Wazoo. But let's take a quick break for a second, Andrew, because I haven't really gotten a chance on the pod to talk about the fourth down decisions from mm-hmm. last week's game. And I know you're it's not a Wazoo angle or anything, but you're a football fan, West Coast guy. Um, let's talk about those fourth down decisions because I think the only one that I can really kind of, um, I guess, argue for is the one before the half. I think you take the points, take the field goal if you're Dan Lanning because you're getting the ball coming out of the half. But I kind of like how aggressive he is. It just, it's obvious, it's a bummer when it doesn't work out for Oregon in those instances. But I think it's great that you have a player, a coach that shows faith in the players. And it kind of seems like I would think that for Oregon fans, this is a breath of fresh air compared to Mario Cristobal, who was in many instances ultra conservative with his play calling, um, you know, would run the heck out of the ball, took the ball out of players' hands, it felt like, when it came to passing opportunities. Uh, you wouldn't think that he had Justin Herbert and Troy Franklin when he did because they were kind of toned down. Um, so I kind of think it's a breath of fresh air. It just isn't always going to break your way. But I really don't fault him too much for some of those decisions. And really, it's not much of a change from what we've seen from him so far this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's pretty <laughs> pretty safe to say that Dan Lanning is going to be aggressive in those opportunities. And Jake Dickert is is of the similar cloth in that sense. You know, he he's a guy that likes going for it on fourth down, um, even sometimes in his own territory. And I'm with you. I have zero problem with the call with two two eleven to go in the game or whatever. I have zero problem with going for it there. You get a first down, the game's over. So obviously, okay, you punt it. I mean, Penix got down the field in two plays from the, you know, the missed fourth down conversion. It might've been the same situation if you punted it to him. So I don't have any problem with him going for it on fourth down there. Um, but I do agree. Maybe going into the half, you take the points, you get the ball back anyway. So that could be a 10 point swing. Um, but, you know, I, I was fine with it. I know he, he's going to get crushed over it, especially losing to Washington. But um, I, I was OK with it as well. And, and you look at some of the other examples of the, the conservative approach. You know, I, always, I have to compare it to Mario Cristobal, both at Oregon and Miami, because that's what the Ducks had or would have had if they, you know, ultimately still had Mario Cristobal. 
I was at the Stanford game in 2018 when CJ Verdell fumbled another instance. He could have taken a knee to just end the game. And then there was that game uh, that Miami had uh, against Georgia tech. I want to say it was um, when they could have knelt and they fumbled it and then they ended up losing. Um, so I mean, there's an Oregon angle in that. I know a lot of people don't like to talk about crystal ball anymore, but he's a big reason that Oregon is where they're at today. Uh, as is Willie Taggart. When you just look at the coaches that have come through Eugene and then the ones that they've brought with them subsequently. Um, but yeah, I think that I just wanted to hit on that real quick because it was something that a lot of fans have been pretty upset about, uh, I think, or just it's very impassioned about, but, but you can't win them all. And especially with how good, uh, Penix and that Washington offense is I think it's like you kind of just got to cut your losses there you're like you know they're probably going to be able to to move the ball anyway with how potent of an offense they have but um I like the faith in Oregon's offense because for most of the year they've been able to get it done but they uh they met a, a pretty solid group in the Huskies and and it just didn't fall their way this time yeah and like like we said earlier I mean I really don't think the sky is falling or anything like that. Everything Oregon wants to accomplish is still in front of them. And, you know, they're going coming back home this week. They, they got a matchup against a reeling Washington state team. Um, I think if, uh, if everything goes according to plan, uh, Oregon should get right back on track. And uh, I, I think the, the noise will quiet down uh, considerably as they move forward in the season. One of the storylines that I've been excited about with Oregon's offense lately, particularly this last week, is Patrick Herbert. It seems like he's really emerging for them on offense, caught a touchdown against the Huskies, and then ran in a two-point try. And um, I think that he's kind of emerging as more of a, a bigger contributor than maybe some people expected, but I think that Oregon needed. Terrence Ferguson has been a little bit quiet lately, um, and he's really been the the heart and soul of the tight end room. And I think aside from those two guys, it's kind of a question mark. You bring in Casey Kelly from Ole Miss. He hasn't done a whole heck of a lot. Caden Ludwig from Colorado. And then you also have the young Kenyon Sadiq. So I'm all I'm all for the tight end production. And then I like the, the um, contributions that they're getting from just so many guys. You talk about the depth on the defense. They also have it maybe even more so on offense. Tez Johnson, Treshawn Holden, um, some of those young wide receivers. Uh, aside from, from Troy Franklin, I think they're exciting. I love Jordan James and what he's been able to do this year. I feel like there's been pretty much no drop-off despite Noah Whittington's injury. That was an unfortunate break for them. So I love where this Oregon offense is at. The offensive line has been great. They just got named to the Joe Moore midseason honor roll as one of the best groups in the country, and they're obviously a tremendous reason for Oregon's success so far on offense. Um, I want to get into a little bit of the Wazoo defense, just some guys that maybe we should know. I know they got a couple of talented guys on that side of the ball that uh, they're going to need big games from. Yeah, there's four. There's four names um, on that WSU defense that uh, Oregon really needs to spotlight. The first two are up front, and we've said it for years on this podcast, and you know all of us up here in uh, in Washington, and, and it's Brennan Jackson and Ron Stone Jr. I mean, these guys are studs. They're going to go play on Sundays uh, coming up next year. They're both, you know, very experienced. They're sixth-year guys. Um, they're both really, really good players. I mean, Ron Stone probably won the Wisconsin game by himself um, with the two strip sacks of Tanner Mordecai. So um, both of those guys are dangerous. But like you said, you know, the Oregon offensive line, very well publicized. 
is a very good group. So just, it'll be interesting to, to see those, those two go against each other. Um, on the outside, I think we're going to see a lot of Shaw Smith Wade covering Troy Franklin. I think Shaw is a really, really good corner. He's really come into his own this year. And uh, I've been very, very impressed with his growth. Um, on the other side, Cam Lampkin, he's a younger guy, um, has had some good stretches, has had some bad stretches. Um, but Shaw is the real star um, when it comes to the secondary uh, on the outside. So it'll be interesting to see how he matches up with someone with the speed um, and length that Troy Franklin has. Um, and then on the back end, I think Jaden Hicks is the best safety in America. I've said it on Twitter. I've said it in my sports cast. I really do. I think he's just an outstanding player. He's high motor. He's physical. He's got a nose for the football. He's a very smart player. Um, he's the one guy I think, you know, especially you brought up the tight ends. Uh, they're going to want to keep their head on a swivel on Saturday because uh, Mr. Hicks is not afraid to hit people. And so um, I've been very, very impressed with him. He's only a sophomore, so that means he's going to have to stay in school another year. And, you know, at the transfer portal, there's there's going to be a lot of teams looking for his services in the offseason. But um, I really think Jaden's the best safety in America. Um, he's a great, great player. Um, but I think if you're at the point where you're Washington State and you're relying on Jaden Hicks to make plays on the back end, then – uh, you're you're really in trouble uh, against this Oregon offense. You're you're gonna want to make some plays up front, and that begins with uh, RJ and BJ. We're back. Wouldn't you believe it? I had internet issues again. Just got this new internet, but we're persisting. Andrew, uh, you were making a little bit of a point there about Jaden Hicks and kind of his role in that Wazoo defense. So wanted to give you a chance to wrap that point up. Yeah, I mean, I I really think Jaden's a star. Um, I, I've been so impressed with him over the last two years. Um, as I said earlier, I think he's the best safety in America. But uh, that being said, I think if you're Washington State on Saturday and you're relying on Jaden Hicks to, to make all your plays for your defense, um, it's a little bit too late because that, that Oregon offense is going to be chewing up yards. And uh, I think if they're going to make any kind of headway on defense, it has to start up front um, with BJ and RJ. All right, there we go. So some some final thoughts there on the defense. Let's wrap up the pod with our prediction, our score predictions for Saturday's game. I wrote my story over on Ducks Digest before we got in to today's episode, and I'm going to go 42-17 to 17 Oregon. I think the spread is 20.5 right now, the last I saw. But uh, I just think that Oregon is going to be able to overpower Wazoo at both lines of scrimmage. Um, whether it's running the ball or stopping the run and getting some pressure on Cam Ward. Uh, if, if they can't get their offense going, Wazoo, I think it could be a long day. I give them some points, but I just think Oregon has too much talent and they're going to be able to, with all their motivation from last week, I think they're going to come out firing. Yeah, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not far off. I, I'm really not far off. Uh, I wish, I wish the, the WSU team of the first four weeks was still the one we saw the last two weeks, because then I think we could have some real discourse uh, when it came to scores. I think WSU will play better um, than they have the last two weeks. You know, Jackson Lataimua talked about it tomorrow that um, he feels like they're turning a corner, possibly heading into this game. But like you said, Oregon, just too much firepower on both sides of the ball. I have it uh, 
being Oregon 42, Wazoo 27. I'm going to give Cam Ward um, a few plays early in the first half where, um, you know, they'll score. Um, but then once uh, once the the WSU offense becomes one dimensional, I, I think Oregon should should uh, should pull away and win this game. All right. So we both see pretty favorable wins for Oregon. Uh, I have a little more confidence in what they're going to be able to do defensively than Andrew does. I think part of that comes from them being at home and just uh, coming off of a matchup against an elite defense. I think they learned a lot of lessons in that game. And I think that Dan Lane's going to be able to scheme this one up. So with those predictions in the rear view mirror, I think that just about wraps us up. But before we get out of here, Andrew, let the people know where they can find your work. You're doing a whole bunch, covering a whole bunch of teams out there in the Inland Northwest. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you can always uh, find me on Twitter at Andrew Quinney. It's right there on the screen. But, um, you know, it's just my name with a Y for those of you listening. And, uh, you know, check us out on creme.com, K-R-E-M. Um, that's our call letters up here in Spokane. We cover Wazoo as well as Eastern Washington and Idaho for all you FCS fans out there. And then, uh, you know, once basketball season starts up, it'll be uh, Gonzaga and Washington State. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see where we go from there. But uh, I appreciate you having me on, Max. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on the pod, Andrew. If you guys want to find more of me, lock in with me on Twitter and Instagram at mtorresports. Subscribe to my YouTube channel at Oregon Football Max Torres and read all my stuff over on DucksDigest.com. Again, a big thank you guys. Thank you to you guys for tuning in and uh, persisting, hanging with us with the technical difficulties. We, we got it done. Um, but thank you to Andrew for coming on. Great to see you as always, man. And uh, Appreciate you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League Podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.